this is Nikki Payne with a bit of a cold, and you're listening to Yuck Yuck's Comedy Podcast. Okay. okay. Why not book a Yuck Yucks on tour show for your school, fundraiser, or next corporate event? Go to yuckyucks.com and click on Hire a Comic. Let our experienced agents help you put together a show that is perfect for your event. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy. I don't think so. Welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. With your host, Jake Hirsch. What is up, my little yuckamaniacs? This is your host, Jake Hirsch. Thank you for the warm welcome. Who the hell are you? What? Thank you, Luther. Yeah, you're welcome, man. That's in-studio producer Mr. Luther joining us. Luther's on my other show, the Jake Hirsch Daily Show, in case you guys ever catch that one. I don't think anybody does, man. Well, thank you very much for the vote of confidence, Luther. Uh, yeah, uh, the Jake Hirsch Daily Show is a kind of a variety show. I'm actually in the process of creating a new variety show, um, which is going to feature just a bunch of crazy content. But anyway, Luther... Um, is the in-studio producer for that show, and he will be coming with me. Uh, he just likes to sit in on the uh, Yucks intros and stuff like that. I don't know why. I got nothing better to do, man. That, maybe because you live in your mom's basement. <laughs> yeah, very funny. Anyway, uh, Luther, thank you for being here. Um, and everybody, thank you for tuning in. I just got done looking at our iTunes page, um, the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast uh, page on iTunes. And... I got to be honest with you, I got a little excited. And the reason being is uh, the amount of popularity that we have on these uh, episodes. Uh, if you get popularity status bar on iTunes, that is, uh, that's a big deal. Because that really, I mean, let, me, let me just try to explain how things work here uh, with podcasting. Okay, so in case there's anybody out there who's interested in doing a podcast or, or uh, is, is in the podcast game, um, let me just uh, give you a little bit of uh, insight, a little bit of uh, information. Um, so the way that it works in the podcast world is that iTunes does not, does not do statistics. They don't give you a number, like listener number. You have to rely on third-party software. A lot of times it's not very reliable. Uh, reason being is some people download directly from uh, the website. Some people listen on iTunes. Uh, some people um, will go on their mobile device and maybe access it through another app like a SoundCloud or, or something like that because we do feature our uh, material on numerous sites. So sometimes a third-party app isn't as accurate as what you think it is because technically it's supposed to count the amount of hits that it hits off the server. Uh, where you host the content. It doesn't really matter where it's coming from. It just kind of bases itself off of how many hits. Well, not all the time does it have access. Uh, I don't know how it works in the... Hey, man, you sound really brilliant right now. Shut up, Luther. Uh, yeah, okay. But I don't really know how it works. Um, but I do know is that they're not always reliable. Uh, there were times uh, on some of my other shows where we hit a high level 
of uh, hits off of like SoundCloud or TuneIn or, or some of these other apps, and it wasn't marking, it wasn't counting for us. And there's other times when uh, we didn't get as many hits, and I think it showed that we did get more than what we probably had. So it's just, it's weird. I don't can trust anything. The one thing you can trust, though, I digress a bit here. Uh, the one thing you can trust is the popularity bar on iTunes. And if that bar is cooking the way that it is right now, that means that a lot of people tuned in to the show. Okay? A lot of people tuned in. And as you can see, as the episodes have progressed over the last uh, few months here, the bar right to the right-hand side. Right to, it's, it's at full tilt right now, which is dynamite. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. It's it's just an absolute honor to do these shows for you. Now I'm I'm done kissing your ass because every episode I, I start with the same way. Uh, but I just want you to know that I am appreciative that people are tuning and listening in. Get on with it, man. Thank you. Um, so for this show, we have a very uh, this was a kind of a really big deal for me, just because of the enormity of the guest, the status of the guest. Um, our guest today is none other than Mr. Mike McDonald. Yay! Yes, Mike McDonald, the legendary Canadian comedian who has just done so much in the world of comedy. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, this is a, this is a face that the, the, you know, the minute you see it, you're like, oh my God, I've seen this guy on, you know, comedy now specials. And he was on late night with David Letterman and, uh, you know, he's, he's done it all. He's been on all the talk shows. He's been on all the night, you know, uh, the night shows and, and all that type of stuff. Late night talk shows. I mean, um, he's done it all. He's been all around and uh, he's performed with some of the b biggest names in the business. So when you get to sit down with people like that, it's very humbling. Uh, and you always try to take something away from it. You always try to take some experience, some advice, some knowledge, something that, uh, you can possibly, you know, stick in your pocket and, and try to remember for down the road. Um, when I first met Mike, I walked into the green room over at Yucks, and, and before I go off on, on my story there, um, I would just want to say thank you to the wonderful staff at the Calgary Yuck Yucks. I cannot say this enough. Uh, Angie, Scott, uh, there's a ton of people there. I just I don't have the names in front of me. I just want to say thank you. You guys are always super welcoming, uh, always with a hug and a handshake and, and, a, and a smile and, and an offer for, you know, uh, drinks and, and food and everything else. And, and I just wanted to say thank you. Um, it's not easy, folks, when you have someone come into the arena of comedy to interview comedians and it's not a comedian, right? It's like, uh, you know. It would be like uh, someone going in and, and taking over um, uh, the late night uh, with David Letterman uh, and not have any real uh, background in the in the whole you know late night talk show scene and has never hosted a talk show on that level before. And I know there was a lot of people that probably got pissed off that uh, they were not asked to be the host of this show. But um, hey, I'm not going to apologize. I'm happy. I try to do a good job. And I, from the feedback that I've gotten so far, I think everybody's been really happy. Um, and so I, I just, I know that the comedy is a very tight circle. It's a big arena, but it's a tight circle. So when you have an outsider come in, it's not always easy to say, hey, uh, welcome to the family. But Calgary Yuck Yucks has done that. And I haven't been to the other uh, clubs around. Um, I have not had the opportunity to travel uh, that much across Canada yet. 
and let me just put an emphasis on yet because I'm hoping to come to a a uh, a place a yuck yucks uh, club near you. But uh, as of right now, I've only been to the Calgary Yuck Yucks one, and it it's just if if that's the benchmark. Uh, then a lot of clubs have a lot to live up to because they are just wonderful there. So thank you uh, again from the bottom of my heart. You guys are just amazing. Get on with it, man. Okay, thank you. Um, yes, so I went in. I met Mike McDonald, and he just seemed a little bit like, yeah, you know, uh, 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 yeah. Who who are you again? Who are you? Why is this three uh, hundred pound Mexican standing in the green room at Yuck Yucks? And uh, I, you know, Angie introduced us, and 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 I was like, ugh. Maybe maybe he doesn't like me, and and then all of a sudden all this you know weird insecurity shit started coming over me, and I was like, yeah, maybe maybe Mike's not into the podcast very much, and so uh, we waited to uh, watch the show. He went out and 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 headlined and and just absolutely crushed it, just amazing set, like one of the funniest sets I've ever seen. Uh, and he talks, he gets very very deep into his into his set. He gets talks very deeply about his personal life and his struggles and his past and, and, uh, you know, uh, the medical condition he had and, and, uh, just everything. And, but he makes it seem so like, he just makes it sound so amazing. Like, like you, like he's just, he's a great storyteller, a great rock and tour as, as, uh, as they say. So anyway, after the show was done, we went to the green room and I sat down with him and, out came this beautiful, uh, just amazing podcast interview. And I was blown away because like I said, when I first met him, he just didn't seem like he was, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I want to sit down and, and bullshit with some stranger for, for 45 minutes. But I'll tell you what, man, he knocked it out of the park. We sit down for a solid, you know, 35, 40 minutes. Uh, and, and, and let me just explain this for a second. I like the podcast format where it's a little bit smaller, a little bit shorter interviews. Uh, one of the, one of the reasons why that is, is because I do it in the green room in between shows. And for anybody out there that, uh, that, you know, thinks to themselves, well, well, that must suck. Well, it does. If you got two shows back to back, like a seven thirty and a ten thirty show, and you got a one hour break, I, you probably don't want to spend forty five of that talking to uh, some complete stranger. Needless to say, Mike was the consummate professional, absolutely uh, amazing. And and I know it sounds like I'm just I'm going berserk here and kissing a lot of ass. Truly, this was one of the best interviews that I've done, uh, just listening to Mike. And, uh, man, such a uh, knowledgeable guy, very funny. And in this, in this short conversation we have, he probably pulls out about a good 10, 15 minutes of fresh material <laughs> that he can probably write down. So, Mike, it's an absolute honor, sir, to, uh, to have had you on the show and uh, looking forward to speaking to you again down the road. Uh, for the rest of you, Yucca Maniacs, we got some great shows coming up. And I've started a new show, a new little uh, sideshow here, and it's called Yuck and Comers. And in case um, you don't get that uh, phrase, it, it's you know just to kind of play on words on the whole up-and-comer thing. But yeah, th these are the fresh new faces of Yuck Yucks, and I interview them. And we're going to get some episodes coming out here right away. So stay tuned. And again, thank you for... Man, would you quit talking about the damn popularity thing? Yes, thank you, Luther. And of course, thank you for listening and tuning in and making this one hell of a show. We look forward to doing a lot more. Let's go talk to Mike McDonald. 
Father Karras, I I don't know. I've never heard that language. It's English. English? Yes, it's English backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the laughs just keep on coming. You just finished an incredible set uh, here at the Yuck Yucks in Calgary, and uh, what a great crowd, except yeah, for the one, were, well, yeah, the one yelling one banshee in there. One woman that proves that we've legalized the wrong drug. <laughs> That is dynamite. So, yeah. how do you like I coming want to back talk to, to the <laughs> comedian drug? Alcohol, my favorite. How do you like coming back to Calgary? Uh, it's nice because I haven't been here since I got sick. You know? Right. It was like at least four years ago. I was here for New Year's Eve and it was great and everything. Yeah, I loved being out west and stuff. Of course, you know, just about anywhere in Canada has always been good for me, which proves my point about Canadian audiences a little bit better. Right. And I think, too, you know, Canadian audiences, uh, you know, they get to see a lot more diverse shows here in Canada, too. Right. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really good that way. Yeah. Do you find that uh, you have to change your comedy around when you go down to the States quite a bit? Um, well, I, I haven't been down in the States since I moved back to Canada. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't miss it very much. You don't, you know? huh? I mean... You were down where? In Glendale, right? Yeah, it was Glendale, California, just outside of L.A. It's like a... It would be like being in the suburbs here. Yeah. Know, it's, yeah. It was more normal. It had like front lawns and backyards and stuff, you know. And <laughs> no homeless people you know, walking around in front of you. <laughs> of course, uh, you know, the first day I moved in, you know, like not one day went by that I didn't realize I was living in a foreign country. Like the day we moved into Glendale, the neighbor from two doors down, he comes up and he goes, Yeah, it's a great street because look, there's a cemetery on the other side of the street, so there's no. There's nobody looking at, you know, I mean, there's no traffic, hardly any of the road. And the cemetery keeps the chinks out. Oh, my God. Because it's bad luck. I'm going, okay, uh, from now on, you have to phone if you're going to come. You, you just can't come over. It's no right? open invite. No, I, I don't want to hear this shit anymore because he's, like, so racist. Oh, like, my God. Oh, right. I'm in the States <laughs> where it's blatant. At least in Canada, if you feel that way, you cover it up. You don't, you know. You don't say it out loud. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. But in the states, yeah, it keeps the chinks out. And, you know, the <laughs> cemeteries. Bad luck for those people. <laughs> really, those people? What, 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 this guy's still having flashbacks to the Korean War. Yeah, 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 yeah the chinks. You know, all right, whatever. You know, get out of here. You know, don't come over anymore. <laughs> it's a different. Uh, it's a different place down there for sure. Uh, you, you you touched on a couple of things uh, during your stand-up. Three of the things I resonated with very well. Uh, Texas, uh, mm-hmm. which is where I'm from, law enforcement, which is what I used to do, mm-hmm. and legalizing marijuana, yeah. which I'm a big fan of now that I'm in Canada. It, it's amazing. Uh, Arizona, I, I, when I was doing I had no idea it was that bad over there. Like the, you know, I, I would never have bet that Arizona would be the worst state, but it's a felony. Half a joint is a felony. That's there's crazy. No, there's no misdemeanor quant, uh, quantity. You know? yeah. It's just... 
It's crazy. But the real deal is when I found out about the private prisons thing, I watched this documentary called Culture High, which is really a By good, Adam, a good uh, documentary. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah. And they exposed the fact about the private prisons to guarantee them building the prisons in the in the, in the locale the local government guarantees 90% occupancy so that's crazy yeah it's crazy you know wow. so they bust the customers they don't bust the dealers they right. bust the customers yeah and that's you know that, that and that's one thing that I, I i was thinking about that before because i watch all those cop shows right and that's the thing on cops i would always say well, how come they just don't bust the dealer they bust everybody coming out oh yeah it's like a revolving door they, yeah like they know where the dealer is one of they yeah you know yeah that's why. keeps the customers yeah. coming oh my god that's crazy yeah so that's crap so regardless of of whether you do drugs or not you have to admit that that's just insanity that's, yeah you know and Nonviolent drug offenders being sent to these uh, prisons, uh, you know, it's like going to high school to become a criminal. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you learn a lot more. <laughs> great stuff. They're, they're, you know, they're, oh, it's yeah, that's the one hole. thing about uh, the states is that it's not so much focused on rehabilitation as opposed to uh, reoffending. Yeah. Is, is that what they're... And then, you know, like the Pope said the other day, and uh, I said, is this true? And I said, well, you know, if the Pope said it, it's probably true. And I checked out the research. It's true. The United States is 5% population of the world, right? Right. The United right. States 5%. But it... It's twenty five percent of the world's incarceration rate. Yeah, yeah, it's just that's crazy. Yeah, so you just go, well, there's something wrong here. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is crazy. That's you know what I mean. It's like, you know, I, I'm all for having a good uh, debate about something, but I can't see the other side of this argument. Yeah. There's exactly. no way. There's no way someone's going to convince me otherwise. That that's just insanity. What What was the big driving for? I mean, obviously, a lot of you know comedians head down to those markets. They go to New York, Los Angeles, and, yeah. and is it? I mean, I I, th- I thought that was the thing to do, but ironically, when I got to L.A., the Hollywood that I wanted to be a part of right. was gone. Yeah, it was like Jimmy Stewart, the last big star that died right. at the time, and I and I just said, well, you know, the Hollywood I want to be a part of is is gone. Right. And it's different now, and it's more cutthroat, and you know. And I've had a series of bad luck, which people keep telling me, you should write a book. You should write a book. Like I've had guys like this one agent. Uh, I, I finally got rid of the agent that I had at the time, right. and you know, each year I would go to Montreal, and this one agent would never talk to me. I always thought he hated me. Right. But the moment I got rid of my other agent, he approached me and said, "I would like to represent you," and I went. Are you kidding? I, I thought you hated me. You never <laughs> talked to me. He goes, well, I knew you were with another agent, and I didn't want to poach you, and because right. that's not my style. And I go, oh, a gentleman. Oh, great. So he has all these meetings with me and my manager, and, and he says, okay, let's get Mike to where he should be, you know, proper place. And uh, I just got my two biggest clients uh, work for five, you know, for the next five years. They're all taken care of. And I went, oh, by the way, who, who, who are your clients? Steve Martin and John Candy. Holy so shit. They're all ready for five years of work and everything. So let's get Mike to wait. And I go, oh, this is it. This is the big break. Three nights later, the guy gets up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water. Heart attack dies. Holy you know what shit. I mean? so are you serious? I've had like three people like that, major players, network executives, McDonald, he's great with it. what? I've I've got cancer, boom, dead. No, you know I mean? three way. people have died. That you know, so so I, I get to the point. I go, well, don't like me too much. 
because uh, I take the right Asian now, that doesn't like me. <laughs> we're zero for three people liking me and being dead. So I, I just had some incredible bad luck, and and the whole thing about you know it got so tiring going out on auditions where the manager and agents would go. Oh, they ask for you. Right. They want to. They love you. They know you're comedy. And I get there, and there's 15 Asian guys sitting there in the room, and I'm going, "What? What role am I? What commercial is, is there? That? Another role in this show? That I, how? And they come on. They go, and you are. And I go, Mike McDonald. Who? And I go, Ah, oh, you son. You know, they they suck me in to go to another audition where they. You know, and and they keep going. You know, they have to. No, no, it's good to you know. They they see your face, and uh, okay, they may not want you for this job, but yeah, they might think of you down the road. Yeah, nah, you know, <laughs> you know, life is hard enough without having uh, a guaranteed rejections three, four times a day. <laughs> Jesus. So it it, it, it it was a tough life for me, and you know, I always. The thing that really turned me, like when I was diagnosed as bipolar and stuff, the thing that sent me over the edge was. The day I realized that uh, comedy wasn't like sports, right? And in sports, you know, I think the reason why people like sports, unconsciously or not, but is it's one of the few things that's almost fair, right? You know, in right. sports, you get rewarded for your talent and your effort. Sure. Like uh, I was talking to Gabe Kaplan of all people one time. One time at the just for the last, we start talking about it. He says, you know, yeah, the purest form is like running in the Olympics. If you can beat the clock. Right, someone's going to find you and put you on a team, and you're going to compete, and you're going to be able to get the gold medal. Right, you know, it's yeah. just it's pure as that, you yeah. know. And I said, yeah, you know, it's like if you're not doping up or if you're not a complete asshole, right? If you can beat that clock, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. There's no there's no subjectiveness to it. Right, it's talent, effort, you know, equals success, you know. And when I found out that comedy wasn't like that, it just it really threw me. Like, I realized that, yeah, it didn't matter how many standing ovations or how many you know, specials I had. It, you know, I was, li- I was listening into a phone call, and my manager was talking to the Letterman people, and he wanted to book me back on the show. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, well, you know, he has a third special coming out on Showtime in the States, CBC up in Canada. He'd like to come on the show and promo it. And they right. said, yeah, we don't care. No shit. You know? And like he's tried to tell me, go okay, look, uh, a lot of comedians have one special, maybe two, but the herd starts to thin out at three, right? <laughs> so you know, yeah, this is third special, he must be doing something right. We don't give a shit, and we don't care about having him on the show. Wow. And, and I was listening in on this, and I went, oh my god, it's not like sports, right? Right. It's it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. And you know, the the other thing about sports too is like there's no nepotism. Right. It doesn't matter how much money the owner has. If his kid if his kid can't do the sport properly, he's not he's on not the gonna team. do it. Right. He's not gonna there's make no it. There's no way. Right. You know I mean? Absolutely. But you know, hockey, if he can't score, if he can't skate, no, you're not on right. the team. My, my dad owns it. No. <laughs> Get out. You know? After after doing some of the interviews that I've done, it seems especially with the younger generation, it seems uh, a lot of people feel like that's the ultimate draw that they have to be there is there a ceiling in canada that people just oh yeah i mean i mean uh, right now my advice to anybody and any anybody in their 20s that can read go to la if go to that's LA. what you if you want to be on tv a sitcom or movies or yeah do it do it now because right. that's that's all i mean ironically when i was in my 20s they didn't want to touch anybody in their 20s they right. hated the youth right. thing 
And ironically, after I became like 40, it was like, boom, okay, we want 20-year-olds. Right, right. And, you know, one of the first things they would check out for people audition was if they could read the piece of paper, like with Saturday Night Live, you know, if they could read the piece of paper, that means they're going to be able to read the cue card. Boom, get him in there. Wow. He's young, he's good, bully, he's funny, and he can read. Get him in there. Wow. Because, you know, you go back to the Eddie Murphy thing, Charlie Burnett thing. Sure. Charlie couldn't read. No shit. That's why I didn't get the gig. Wow. They tried him, and the first day, I I can't read the cue card. That was it. You're out. Wow. So, you know, my advice, if you're in your 20s and you can read, go for it. (laughs) Go for it now. The place to be. Because that's all they want. You know, you look at just for laughs uh, 42 in Toronto. But the oldest guy there was, what, Pat Oswald? Right. Which, you know, which is, you know, he's great and everything and people like that but you know there's like maybe five people like that and all the rest are all young new and Mm. you know whatever but there seems to be the turnover is a lot more too because you know each year they put somebody up there going you know oh this is the new guy and so you know for every Louis Mm C.K. there's there's 30 guys that you'll never see again yeah waiting in line so you know I mean you, you've, I mean, obviously, a huge icon in Canadian comedy. You, you, you know, you, you hold think. the record. <laughs> you hold the record for the just, just for laughs uh, uh, appearances. Yeah. What has been your experience like that over the years? How have you seen the Canadian comedy scene progress? I mean, is that something that you're proud of to see the, the well, up and Well, I mean, it's always been, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of it is the Canadian comedy is treated like a second-class citizen and, you know... Uh, I've always felt that we could hold our own. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I, I actually suggested a show where it would be like the Olympics, where we would compete. Yeah, you know, and and we'd have a show where people would vote on which Canadians we want to send on the team. Like maybe three people on the team, and they compete against the United States and Ireland, Scotland, uh, Australia, UK. You know right. I mean? uh, That's a brilliant idea. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was good and everything, but yeah. I mean, we've got some amazing talent here, writers, comedians, oh, yeah. we've, you mean, know, uh, we've got the industry. I think the Canadians hold their own in any capacity, so, you know, it's weird. I know a lot of times in certain uh, areas, TV shows, or anything, that the Canadians were paid less than the American acts, and, you know, it's just something you, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, the, the moment you s- say something about it, you're labeled a troublemaker, so forget it. Right. It's not worth it, but, right. you know, but uh, to this day, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, if we had to put together, t- I could put together a Canadian team that would kill you. Yeah. That you know, like I, I've said it sometimes on stage. If comedy was an Olympic sport, the the Canadians would medal every fucking time. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Every time, <laughs> you know. And we're good for a bronze, silver, gold every time. Every even, I don't care who you put up against us. We're gonna we're gonna meddle. Very talented time. people, yeah. absolutely. absolutely. So, you know. have you have you performed quite a bit overseas at all? Uh, not lately, but uh, I mean, I did go to Australia a couple times in the UK. It's good, but but it's like it's weird. Like everybody goes, oh, you should go over there. You should go over there. But yeah, but you know, you, it's it's tough for me to start over here because when you go to these places, you got to start at the bottom and work your way up. Sure. And again, you know, knowing that. Uh, there is no rhyme or reason. So if you're lucky, yeah, you go to the top. Like, like there's a few Canadian acts that have gone over to England, and they're making a really good living, and right. they're working all the time. Right. But again, for every one that 
Sure. That happens too. There's 10, 20, 30 that, that doesn't work. And, you know, so to have to go through that whole thing again, mm-hmm. of you get to, a, you know, like I remember the first time I played the Edinburgh Festival, they had this thing called the Perrier Award, which is given to the, the, the new artist, the person who, you know, excelled the most that year or whatever. Right. Uh, the, the the judging team came up to me and said, well, you know, the reason we didn't nominate you because you've been doing comedy for 15 years already, so you're like a pro. And it, oh, so I'm penalized for being For being good. good. All right, good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'll take that in consideration. You know what I mean? And, and I remember in, in Edinburgh, the, uh, I got all these great reviews, but then one guy said, he's too slick. He knows what he's going to say before he says it. And then I went... Wow, that I thought that was the work ethic. I thought that was the, <laughs> That's the discipline. The, the, yeah, I thought I thought that was something to strive for to know what I'm going to say before. I, but you know, at the time, I, I I don't know if it's changed now, but at the time, they seemed to really go for the befuddled professor act, right? The kind right. of guy that that made it look like he was coming up with it brand new every right. night. But if you saw two shows in a row, you go, oh, okay, yeah. it's a trick. He's just regurging the same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember the first time I saw Robin Williams two nights in a row. I was in Catch a Rising Star in, in New York. And the first night I went, oh, my God. The guy's, guy's amazing. Oh, Jesus. It was so funny. It was, oh, man. The next night I came in, I went, oh, my God. It's like a trick. It's like, it's like he's a great chess player. Right. Right. He's two moves ahead of the audience. Like, like if he does a new joke, it doesn't work. He knows anybody with funny hair sitting in the front. He can turn to them and do the gay hairdresser bit, right? And get the crowd back. And then, you know what I mean. So, regardless of whether you liked him or not, you have to give it up. The fact that he could do that—it's real art form. That yeah, he yeah. was an excellent chess player. Yeah. But if you're going to talk about improv and stuff, I spent three days with Jonathan Winters doing a cable show. Wow. We had to shoot wraparound sketches and stuff. So I spent three days with Jonathan Winters. Holy not shit. one repeated word. Not really. One repeated story, and I and I sat there and went, okay. That's the real deal. That's the real deal. Yeah, the real Jonathan deal. Winters is amazing. Yeah. So, but you know what I mean. All, all credit to Robin for what, what what he could do. I mean, it, it was amazing. It was funny. And it was great. But but you know what I mean. It wasn't the total improv that right. people thought it was. Right. You know. Speaking about Which is that, okay. Though, I mean, I yeah. mean, the, the, I remember the first time I saw Louis C.K. I went, "Oh man, this guy's great." And then as an encore, he asked the audience, you know. And they yelled out bits, and he said, "Okay, I'll do that bit." And he did it again, and no I went, shit. "Oh my god, it's this!" You know, but yeah. his style—he makes it. You know what I mean? Like right. the trick, the trick with good comedy, I think, is to make it sound fresh. Right. No matter. I mean, I've got jokes that are like. Uh, there's a couple I, you know, because after my transplant, I couldn't remember a word of my act. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky the new jokes worked right away because uh, they're the only ones I could remember. But I'd be going through notes and stuff, and I'd read something, and I'd laugh out loud, and then I'd realize, oh, my God, that's my joke. I, I can do it again. Right. So I got to go through, like, picking, like, a, a greatest hits kind of That's deal. amazing. So I picked up, like, and so there was a joke tonight that I hadn't done maybe in 10 years, and it killed. And I went, oh, great. Yeah. You know, so, but the trick is to make it look like it's fresh. Yeah. Like it, you feel like it's fresh. And, and that was the thing in the, in the alternative comedy stuff in the 90s. There was a, a, a kind of vibe where they wouldn't do something twice because they thought it was fake. 
It right. always had to be brand new, whereas me, I'm from the old school of, yeah, you do something twice, but you make it seem like it's for, and it's called acting. Sure. You know, and it's called pulling it off, you know, right. being in the moment. And, uh, you know, it goes back to, like, my musical roots with uh, guys like Frank Zappa, who said, you know, anything that can be played twice is music. Right, right. I said, okay, I, you know, I understand that yeah. attitude. Yeah. All right. Okay, I, I can dig it. Wow. So, yeah, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, if, if my comedy had a formula to it, it would be concept, joke, act out the joke. And my favorite part is when I act out the joke. Right. And right. When, I, when, when I act out the, the third part, act out the joke part, I'm in the moment. I'm like an actor, so I'm acting it out. And when, it's re- you know, when I'm in the moment, right. it's really good. Like tonight it was a good crowd, so all the elements were there. And I had my energy and this and that, and everything was great. So I'm glad I taped the show tonight because there was some uh, some new stuff that came out of nowhere too. So that was good. That's amazing. So I keep yeah. a record of it, but you know, it's like uh, I think I think overall the the main thing with comedians is we're a little lazy. You know, I mean, How so? all, all of us could be more diligent. I mean. Uh, I could go home every night and listen to tapes and write down the new stuff and fix stuff and this. Sure. You know what I mean? I, I could be way more diligent than I am, but to a lot of people, they think that I'm like a workaholic and I have all these notes and this and that and files. But the the, the only reason, like uh, uh, like I'll use the voice memo on my phone. If something right. strikes me funny, I'll put down the voice memo. And then when I when I get home and sitting in front of the computer and I say, okay, I'm going to have a writing session. Instead of staring at a blank page going, you know, and, and letting myself feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I've, I've written my last joke. Right. I, just, I just start transcribing Plain my voice stuff. memos yeah. into the files. And as I'm transcribing them, I'm also adding stuff and fixing it or thinking something else. So it's, so it's like doing another draft of that note. Yeah. And uh, I never have writer's blocks because I'm so far behind on transcribing my notes that yeah. I mean I have I have like a couple hours worth of Voice material notes, huh? yeah. waiting to be transcribed so yeah it's I'm, I'm very lucky that way where uh, I, I can't remember the last time I had writer's block I mean that after the transplant I couldn't remember my act but uh, I, I'd never had a block that I couldn't Right, but but I always tell uh, like comedians that ask me for advice. I always say, yeah, you know, you you start start transcribing, and it's just like exercising. All of a sudden, you realize after twenty minutes, oh yeah, I'm 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 working. Right, I'm right. working out. Man. Yeah, yeah, my muscles are getting okay. They're getting toned. Right. How was that after the transplant? I, I know that uh, it was it was it was weird. You know, I, I you know I had nightmares about being one of those what do you call it concierge guys with a white hats the, right. I, I thought oh my god I'm going to have to get a uh, I, have to t- I have to take a French immersion course <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to be one of those guys that says no parking okay how do, how do you say that in French <laughs> I don't know we don't, don't park there you know and I thought oh my god I, you know but uh, thank God I went through my notes and I start, you know, I started to be able to do stuff again. But like, like I said, I was very lucky that the new stuff worked. I think about ninety percent of it worked right away. Right. So right. I was very lucky. You came up, Mike, in a real interesting time, uh, comedy-wise. When back when you were first getting your start, I think it was in your early twenties is when you started comedy. Twenty-three. Yeah. Twenty-three. Uh, Belushi was on the scene. Guys like that. Who, who was around back then that that you looked up to when you started comedy? Um. 
Ironically, you know, my biggest influence right off the top was Steve Martin, right. which I grew out of after about a year as far as the style of comedy, because once I saw the uh, Richard Pryor concert film, the first one, that Changes. it was game that was over. It. Yeah. It, was, it was like all the other influences, go, go home now. <laughs> you know? I found the Yes, I found the, <laughs> I found the blueprint to what I would love to get, you know. And I think one of my goals has always been in my comedy is if they shot me up with sodium pentothal, that the act would be exactly the same. And I think, I think uh, as I continue, I think I get a little closer to that. Like tonight was pretty good. I think almost like in the 90s. Yeah, it, it was, was pretty, an amazing show. It was pretty, pretty close to everything being exactly the same under sodium pentothal. <laughs> yeah. When you... Uh, when you do perform in front of large crowds and stuff like that, is there? Do you still get that that nervous feeling? That- well, it's weird because, fortunately, it's one of the few times my anger works for me. Right. You know, in in my bipolar, I have a cycle that it's it's just not healthy. You know, I, I get I get really angry and then really depressed, and I want to kill myself. So that's the normal cycle there. Right. But, but my anger comes in handy when I'm waiting to go on. I don't get nervous or anything. I just get angry because I just want to get on. Right. It, you know, it doesn't matter. The guy on before me could be the funniest guy in the world. And my attitude is get him off. Give him the fucking light. Get him off. Get, I want to go on now. He's got that you know? caged yeah, dog. I just, just want I just to get out. go. So I, I don't. I don't get nervous because I, I get angry. So it's one of the few times my anger works for me. Yeah. Yeah. You talk a lot about your wife on stage, too, and, and what well, she means yeah. to you. And, well, and, that, uh, too. Uh, I, I think it's really weird sometimes that after a show, somebody will come up to me and go, wow, it's really nice to hear you talking about loving your wife. And I go, really? That still sticks out now? Like 2015, there's still... People going, well, it's so nice to hear a comedian talking about loving his wife, really? That that, that (laughs) sticks out. I mean, holy shit. You know? Well, usually it's. I'm not preaching fast enough, apparently. (laughs) Well, I think what it is, I think so much is that uh, you get, uh, you know, so much of the uh, tortured soul and the, the, you know, the forever single and the divorces and the living on the road and and that shit just never works out. But uh, that's one thing I hate is it's hard to watch comedy that has convoluted logic. Right. You know, like I remember back when I started, one of the things I used to hate was these guys would do the joke about. You know, sleeping with a woman, and the next day you wake up and you go, "Oh my God, I can't believe I had, I had sex with her." Oh Jesus, I hope she did. You know, yeah, like she's not waking up going, "Oh, oh I let this guy touch me." You know, what hey, I mean, what like, like she's I not making? puking in the bathroom. Oh my God, what did I? Oh, I have no self-esteem whatsoever. I let that fat pig touch me. You know, like like they're the bargain. Yeah, yeah, like ooh ooh, I can't believe you. You fucked her, yeah. Like, like she has no problem whatsoever. You know, like, you know. I used to hate that so much. So funny. Earth. No one ever thinks about the other side yeah, of it, right? Yeah, it's like you know, and 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 and. I think the funniest one was one time I was doing all the, you know, the the stuff about men and women, and uh, a guy in New Jersey yelled out one time. He goes, a "Gender traitor!" And I go, "Oh man, what are we in high school?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like the idea that guys. 
guys get upset if a guy like me talks about women in a positive way for five minutes right compared to the centuries of fucking shit that women have had to deal with you know i mean they don't ah can't you know, even begin to scratch the surface. If guys off. can't take a shot to the ribs now after all the shit that they've said about <laughs> women, oh my god, it's just amazing. You know, it's like right, right away, like, like you know, you, you know, you have the thing, the Cosby accusers, and, sure. and, and there's guys that respond to, well, what about guys who get raped? Well, you know, that's wrong too. <laughs> So, you know, here's the line for justice. Get in the line because you were raped too. Okay, wait for you to... But you have to realize, look, all the women and children ahead of you on the line. Yeah, they're waiting for justice too. So shut the fuck up and get in the line and shut the fuck up about it. You know, it's like... Uh, you know what, I mean? what about the men? Yeah, what about the fucking men? You know? That's why they always make a big deal when a woman goes out and kills more than one person. Oh, right. look, a woman serial killer. Fucking yeah, guys compared to every fucking, you know, <laughs> how many movies about guys? You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus. Bundy, Dahmer, Wayne Gacy, you know, Richard Ramirez, uh, David Berkowitz. That's off the top of my fucking head. You know? You know? Yeah, that woman who killed one. You know, Jesus. <laughs> That one woman, yeah. that one lady who drowned her kids. Yeah. Oh, my God. Lorena Bobbitt's in pop culture for the rest of her oh, life. Yeah. That's the, it. The, you know, like I go with there on stage even now, and I go, hey, what's that one? That woman takes a knife, and she's in pop culture for the rest of her life. Uh, who are we talking about? Uh, Bobbitt. <laughs> you know, they all know. They all know. You know <laughs> old people with Alzheimer's in the home going, Bobbitt. Everybody, you know. She's, and yet women get mutilated, raped, you know, cut up every second of every day. Doesn't even make the papers. Oh, yeah. Half of it. And, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. One woman slices, oh, that, oh women are crazy. <laughs> yeah, all the women. <laughs> Jesus. But, you know, one joke, I, I didn't do it tonight, but I go, the thing about women is they only go after the people who hurt them. Right. Men will kill anyone in the general area. Absolutely. That's not right. Absolutely. You don't see these mass yeah. killings with women. It's never a woman on top of the tower. There's one that looks like him. <laughs> <laughs> never. Never a woman. It's always guys. Oh, my God. That's brilliant stuff, man. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, you know, I mean, guys can't take a joke. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, you know, what's your view on on some of the up and coming talent here in uh, Canada? I mean, I know that obviously you know you you've uh, you've there, gone on the road and, yeah, and you've there, seen a lot of openers and there's good and bad everywhere. It's it's like the music thing, you know. I hate when my generation goes, "Well, there hasn't been anything good since Nirvana." All right, right shut up. <laughs> you know, it's like there's good stuff out there, but there's just more stuff out there. So there's going to be more shit, sure, because there's just more stuff. Period. Do you think it cheapens yeah. the art though for like uh, these uh, you know overnight shows where you know uh, you know I, I think you know when I hear a song I like and I buy it for like a, you know anywhere from sixty nine cents to a buck ninety nine. I don't give a shit about the hype machine that's behind right. it or who's pushing it or whatever. I just know I like something and I buy it. Right. It's as simple as that. So, you know, I mean, uh, but right now, you, I think the music thing, you have a bunch of songwriters that are putting out their own stuff, whereas in the 60s, 70s, those songwriters sold their songs. Right, right. And, and you know, I mean, you know, let's face it, uh, like there was a period there you too could play half the music out there. Sure. 
they you know they could have been sent a whole bunch of songs so now there, there's just more stuff out there but if you if you go through it like like the Shazam app on, on your phone yeah. I mean you know I'm watching a movie and I hear something I like and I Shazam and I go it's it's not hard to keep up right. with the new good music yeah you know absolutely it, I mean it makes it out somehow yeah I mean you know but uh, but but there's always going to be stuff. I mean, uh, I was watching that Foo Fighters documentary series. Amazing, the, right? Uh, it was the, ama- on the road one yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and and there was all kinds of music that I go, I I never knew about yeah. these guys. And I went back and I looked up the catalogs and I bought a bunch of stuff. And I sat there and I went, wow, you know, if I I thought I knew all the punk bands there was, but if I miss these guys and they were really good, blah blah blah. Then who knows how many people are missing? You know what exactly. I mean? So there's always going to be things you miss out, and people don't get their due that should have their due. But but the, 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 there's a lot of good stuff, but you have to wait through the bad stuff. Too. Sure. So sure. I think the same thing in comedy. I mean, for every guy that I see that's really good, or any new woman that I mean, there's a lot of new women that are really good. Yeah. There's people that they're okay. They're so so, and then you know there's. There's people I see, I haven't seen them in three, four years, and it's exactly the same. And I go, wow. Right. You know, it's like it's sad that it didn't get better. But, like, for example, the guy opening up for me tonight, Adam Deloria, I haven't seen him in about four years, and, and he's gotten better. Yeah. So yeah, he was it, great. Yeah. yeah so it, it. it's always good when you when you see somebody again and they've gotten better. Right. Because it means they're serious about it and they applied themselves and everything's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a little harder to coast on stuff now because the. Uh, the internet and stuff, its uh, material gets exposed sure. you know, a lot uh, a lot easier than it did before. But Is that something that, you, that you've got onto? Um, yeah, a little bit, you know, the Facebook stuff and uh, Twitter. Twitter is hard for me because I, I can rarely get a joke down to, what, 140 characters? Characters, and, yeah. So yeah. it's tough sometimes because yeah. I'm not a one-liner kind of guy. But, right. But occasionally I'll put out something. Yeah, on Twitter, but it's not it's not a like a an hourly thing, but <laughs> you know, but but I do the Facebook thing or whatever. But yeah, I mean, again, I I should be more diligent with all that stuff. You know, half half the time when comics are failing because they don't know about what's what's going on there. Sure. You know, it's like for example, I, uh, the podcast. You know, oh, and that's a new thing, right? Me, right. You know what I mean, <laughs> all the kids today with the podcasts, and you know, like everybody's got a podcast now except me. But anyways, you know, so I'm saying, oh, should I get a podcast? Eh, there's a lot of work. I got to transcribe some notes. <laughs> I don't have time to go. I'll go on a podcast, but I, I won't have one of my own. But what I have to do now is I, I want to learn how to edit my stuff because uh, I start doing the thing. You know, when I start looking through the notes and stuff, I was so happy to find these jokes that were funny that I posted some. And it started off as a throwback Thursday thing. And I've been doing it for two years. Every Thursday, I post an old joke. And the response has been so great. And I sit there and I go, okay, after two years, I think I've made my point. Yeah. I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of good it's material. Still pretty good. But I think I'm getting close to that point was uh, uh, the stuff that I've posted for the last two years every Thursday has been stuff that I can write. Down, right. And it's funny to read. Right. But as you know, after seeing my show, there's certain jokes that you'd have to see me do it. Sure. To really to get, get the full effect. Yeah. So uh, I, one of the things I want to do is learn how to edit and stuff because I want to go through all my old uh, videotapes and stuff and start 
you know, chopping up little pieces and putting those out. Right, right. You know, and, you know, because there's some stuff that uh, I was fortunate to have the camera on, and there was some stuff that uh, I've never done again. There was one tape I watched from 1998, and I said, oh, my God, there's stuff in there that I've never done again, and right. I completely forgot about it. It was so funny. And so, so I want to get those little clips and put them out. It's amazing how the comedy 20 years ago can resonate now with the crowds. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been, I've been very lucky with that kind of stuff because uh, a lot of comedy doesn't stand the test of time. But I find that there's a lot of jokes that uh, apparently still make people laugh yeah. because they keep putting it out. So, you know. That's amazing. I've been lucky that way, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, it was an amazing show tonight, and uh, it was an absolute honor getting to sit down with you. Cool. For, spend some time with you, man. It's a huge icon and, a, and obviously a, a huge favorite of mine. And, and uh, if working. only you ran show business, <laughs> how hey, I'm easy you my I'm life would be off. now. <laughs> if you were the guy saying, yes, give him the money, make a special... Yes. Where can <laughs> that I do it for the TV show. That's a good idea. Make, okay, let him do what he wants. Yeah, I'd love that. Where can where can people find you, Mike? Huh? Where can people oh, find yes, you? I have people always go, so, so, so you're touring the West Coast Is that now? What? Like a Lady Gaga tours. I just show up at certain places at certain times. Tell you what time to be and there. Like, this week I'm showing up in Calgary at Yuck Yucks, and next week I'm showing up at Edmonton Yuck Yucks. <laughs> And then the week after that, it's Vancouver, yuck, yuck. <laughs> you know, I just show up at places every once in a while. Oh man! Well, again, Mike, it was a, it was an absolute honor, and uh, and hey, thanks for doing the show, man. I cool, really appreciate it. All right, folks, and there you have it, the legendary Mike McDonald. Wasn't that a great interview? Man, I love talking to that guy. Such a wealth of experience and knowledge. Just all around good dude. Thanks, Mike, for joining me on the show. And uh, thank you guys for sticking around and listening to a fabulous interview. Stay tuned. Like I said, we got some great shows coming up, as always. And thank you for making this show so popular. I love it. It's a dream come true. Yes. On behalf of myself, the host, Jake Hirsch, Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer, Kira Williams, the webmaster, Camille, and all of you. Until next time.